us by being here uh, this morning. Do you ever find yourself, maybe when you hear the news, wishing that there was something you could do to change the world? When you hear about all of the violence and the evil and the injustice and the corruption and everything else that takes place on this planet on a daily basis, do you ever find yourself just wishing there's something you could do to make it better? Well, Paul says there is something we can do. He says we can pray. You know, sometimes we make a big mistake about prayer because you'll hear people say something like this, all I can do is pray. The best you can do is pray. That's what scripture teaches us. That's where all godly activity in this world begins is with prayer. And so Paul says that we can pray. He says we should pray. He said we must pray and not just for ourselves and our personal concerns, but for the whole world. Paul says the church should pray globally. We should pray with the whole world in mind. You just heard it read. When Paul wrote his first letter to Timothy, he charged him to bring an end to some false teaching and some speculations that were going on in the church in Ephesus, and they were causing a lot of disruption. And so the church was not strong, the church wasn't healthy, couldn't move forward. And Paul had said, Timothy, you must deal with that, you must do something about it. And one way for him to do that, according to chapter 3, was to appoint godly, qualified leaders of the church who would would deal with those things and keep the church focused in the, the proper way. But the other thing that they needed and what's talked about in chapter 2 is orderly, God-focused worship. They needed to see the significance of worship. They needed to see the significance of keeping their worship focused in the right way. And that includes prayer. Now we know in chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, that Paul is talking about public prayer. And here's how we know that. We know it, first of all, because he says in verse uh, 8 of chapter 2, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. If this were private prayer, he would not say that in every place the men should pray. Also, this expression, in every place, was a common early Christian way of referring to every place of worship. Paul does that again in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 2. He says, to the church of God, that is at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So he's talking about public prayer in 1 Timothy 2. And he says, I would the men would pray, leading the church in a godly way, able to lift holy hands. The prayer that he's talking about are the prayers that are mentioned in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, as the church in Jerusalem was newly formed, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to the prayers, those public prayers that they prayed together. We sometimes miss the importance of that. We sometimes overlook the significance of the event of public prayer. But notice that Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1, First of all, first of all, he says, not first in order of chronology, but first in order of importance. First of all, he said, I want you to pray, and I want you to pray in this way. The prayers of the church collectively are vastly more important than we often realize that they are. They're not just an item on the list. 
They're not just something that we have to do to be scriptural or that we need to do. They are something that is a blessing to the church. It's our way of tapping into the power of God. It's our way of aligning our wills with his. It's our way of acknowledging his greatness and his lordship over us and pouring our hearts out to him and making our request known unto him. It is a solemn, sacred moment when the church comes together to pray. And so Paul says, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made. About what? What's the church to pray about, particularly when we come together? When the men lead the church in prayer, what are they to pray about? Well, it's, it's really very simple. We're to pray about the whole world. And I noticed Bill did that this morning, and I'm so glad uh, because I didn't want anybody to be embarrassed if they didn't. But that's exactly what we need to do. We need to pray for the whole world. We need to be thinking globally. We need to be thinking in a wider way than we sometimes think. Because Paul says that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving should be made for all people. There are four terms for prayers there in verse 1. And sometimes people say, well, what... What's the difference between a supplication and an intercession? Don't worry about that. What Paul is simply saying is, is that all kinds of prayer need to be made, but the important point is for all people. All those prayers need to be made for all people. And a special concern is for kings and all who are in high positions. The Anglican Book of Common Prayer specifies for all Christian rulers. Christians ought to pray for all Christian rulers. But that's not what Paul says, is it? One reason Paul didn't say that is in his day, there weren't any Christian rulers. And I know some of you sitting there thinking, there are not any now. <laughs> there weren't any Christian rulers. But the other thing is that Christian rulers aren't the ones who call all the shots in this world, are they? Most of this world is under the domination of people who don't know anything about God, don't care anything about God. They don't care about what's right. They care about power, and they care about their own authority. They care about doing whatever it is they want to do and imposing their wills on other people. We've got to pray for them, too. We have to pray for them, too, maybe especially for them. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor and if the timing of that letter is what we think it is, then the emperor, when Peter wrote that, was Nero. And when Peter lost his life by execution, it was at the order of Nero. But he said to honor him. And Paul says, pray for him. Pray for all who are in positions of high authority. We pray for them not because they are honorable, but we pray for them because like it or not, they're in charge of much of the world. And we need to be praying for them. But here's the thing, and the reason that we pray and why prayer is so important is that you and I know that ultimately they, ultimately they are not in charge of the world. Ultimately, this is not their world. This is God's world. We saw that when we studied Daniel, didn't we? In Daniel chapter 5, how many times was it three times that he said this? That the, uh, God rules the kingdom of men and he gives it to whom he wills. And all the way through the book of Daniel and all the way through the Bible and all the way through human history. 
you see rulers rise and you see them fall. You see them be raised up and you see them be brought down, sometimes dramatically so. It's God who rules the world. And so while these rulers had this temporary custody of the world, if you will, we offer our prayers to God that his ultimate will will override their evil will. So our prayers for them can affect what they do. And if we don't pray for them, we're passing up an opportunity to influence for good what happens in this world. And we don't want to miss that opportunity. A few Sundays ago, we were talking about abortion. I encourage you to be praying about the fact that our Supreme Court is going to be considering the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And what a blessing that would be. We need to be praying about that. Right now, we're concerned about our brothers and sisters in Ukraine because there's a power massed on the eastern border. We need to be praying about that. We can affect that. We can affect what happens in this world by praying to God and asking for God's rulership to be over them. So we pray, but specifically, why do we pray for all and specifically for rulers. Here's what Paul says. He says, so that we can lead a peaceable and quiet life that is godly and dignified in every way. I guess we can kind of look at it this way. We want to be left alone, don't we? We want to be left alone to lead our lives in Christ. We want to be left free to lead the lives that God has put before us without a lot of interference and a lot of hassle. And we need to be praying about that. We've always kind of assumed it, haven't we? We've always kind of assumed that that's ours and it's ours by right. But it can go away, folks. And we need to be praying that it doesn't. We need to be praying that we can continue to lead those quiet and peaceful lives, godly and dignified in every way, because it's hard to lead that kind of life when chaos reigns. It's hard to lead that kind of life when there is chaos, when there is persecution, or when there is opposition, or when there is war. My longtime friend Barry Smith directs a ministry in South Sudan, and for years that ministry in South Sudan was able to reach thousands of people. It was just so effective. The people of South Sudan, after decades of war, were hungry for the gospel. And many, many people were being brought to Christ. And now they've got a civil war. And now the workers can't move about freely. And now people can't do the things that they were doing. And now the folks that they're trying to reach are being displaced. And it's harder and harder to reach them. A lot of them aren't in South Sudan anymore. They're in other places and the work is still going on, and a lot of people are still being reached, but it's a whole lot more difficult than it was before. It's not nearly as fruitful as it was before because their lives are disrupted, and there's chaos reigning. We need to pray that situations like that come to an end. We need to pray for rulers to keep things in order so that we can live in such a way that we are free to live our lives in Christ. That's why we pray even for rulers. But there's an even bigger reason. And Paul says that in 1 Timothy 2 also. First of all, he says it's because it's what God wants us to do. He says this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God. It pleases God when we do that. But the other thing is it's not just about us. 
It's about the whole world. Because Paul says God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, don't miss the connection there in 1 Timothy 2. And if you didn't see it yet, read it again until you see it. Paul says, I want you to pray for all people, particularly for kings and those who are in high positions of authority, so that you can lead your peaceful life, godly and dignified in every way. Why? Because God wants the whole world to know about Jesus. God wants the whole world to know about Christ. The whole world needs to know. It's a lost and dying world that we live in. And God wants all of them to know about Jesus Christ. Did you notice that Paul uses the word all four times in verses 1 through 7 of 1 Timothy 2? In verse 1, he says, I want you to pray for all people. In verse 2, he says, for kings and all who are in high positions. In verse 3, he says, God desires all people to be saved. And in verse 5, he, he says that God desires uh, that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. He's thinking about all people. He wants you to think about all people. He wants me to think about all people. He wants us to think and to pray about all of them. Now, some people read this. And they said, you know, I think Paul here is, is responding to the exclusivism of the Jews of his day who thought that God's primary concern was for them. And that may be the case. Others read this and say he's responding to the exclusivism of the Gnostic movement that was beginning to show itself in his time. Because they thought that, that they were only a small handful of people, basically, who were the enlightened ones, and they were the ones that, that really are the inner circle. They're the ones God's really interested in. And that may be the case, too. I don't know about that, but I do know that Paul surely had in mind Genesis 12, where God made his covenant with Abraham, and he said that, I'm going to be your God, and your descendants are going to be my people, and through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You see, Paul grew up on that teaching. Paul was one of those people. He saw that God had blessed Israel so that Israel could bless the world. And now Paul sees that God has blessed the church. Why? So that we can bless the world. That through us, all people will be saved. That's why he emphasizes God's concern to all. And why do all need to know about Christ? Look at verse 5. He says, there is one God and there is one mediator the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. I hope you're already clear on this, but if you're not, listen closely. Scripture never teaches that there are many ways to find God. It does not teach that. People say that. That's not what Scripture says. It says there is one God and there is one mediator between man and God the man Christ Jesus. It isn't about whatever feels right to you or what resonates with your personal truth. It isn't about what other people around you think or it isn't about, it isn't about any of that. It's about truth. And Paul says we need to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what the truth is? The truth is we're all lost sinners. The truth is we are all in need of redemption. The truth is we are all doomed without Christ. 
And without his blood, we sang that great old hymn, didn't we? What can wash away my sin? Let me tell you, what can't wash away your sin is just any way you choose to think about God. What can wash away your sin is the blood of God's own son who gave himself as a ransom for all. That's the only way. There's only one God. There's not many gods. There's not millions of gods. The folks building that temple across the street believe there are millions of gods and will be millions more. The folks who already have one this way across the street believe there are millions of gods. There are not. There is only one God, and Paul says so. Oprah Winfrey will tell you that God is within you and that you're really your own God. Lord, help you if that's true. That's not the truth. That's not the truth we need to come to the knowledge of. We cannot save ourselves because Paul says there is only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said it in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what? No one comes to the Father except by me. That's the truth. That's the truth that God wants us to know and to believe. Only he can give us access to God. Why? Because only he, only he gave himself as a ransom for all. Nobody else ever did that. Nobody else in all creation, nobody else throughout history ever gave himself as a ransom for you. But Jesus did. And God wants everybody to know that. Now, the world doesn't always like that message. In fact, very often the world resents it. They resent the idea that Christ had to die for their sins. They resent the idea that there's only one mediator between God and man. They resent the idea that there's only one God. But that's one reason we need to pray for them. We need to pray for their hearts to be open. We need to pray for their minds to be enlightened. We need to pray that they'll see reality. We need to pray that they'll stop living in denial and see the truth of their need for Jesus Christ. So Paul's strategy for the church is for us to pray for the whole world, but especially for the rulers and people who are in authority so that we can lead the peaceable and quiet lives that God has called us to because God wants all people to be saved because he wants everybody to know the truth. And the truth is there's only one who's given himself as a ransom for all. It's that simple. That's why we pray. That's what we need to pray about. Have you seen that bumper sticker? It's been around for a number of years. It says, it says think globally, act locally. Think globally, act locally. I like that. I like that. But for Christians, it ought to be this. Pray globally. Pray globally and then act locally in reaching out to the people around you. But even that's really not adequate. We need to pray globally and we need to act globally too, don't we? Beginning with the people nearest to us, but reaching out to the whole world. Because that's who God has sent us to preach the gospel to. It doesn't just end with prayer. Our prayers are that God will give us peace and freedom to take the gospel to all. That's the church's mission. Always has been. Always will be. Until Jesus comes again, whether it's easy or whether it's peaceful or whether it is not. But it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. And it continues with us telling others 
about their Savior and ours. So here on this first Sunday of 2022, I want to issue a challenge to the Glen Allen Church. Every individual member, every person here today. It's not my challenge, though. It's Paul's. And here's that challenge. Keep something to keep in mind throughout the year. Let's be certain to pray, first of all, as Paul directs, both publicly and privately for all people everywhere. When you pray, don't just think about yourself. Don't just think about your family. Don't even just think about the church here. Think globally. Think about everybody. Pray for the world. And let's pray for our leaders and rulers and everybody else's, whether we like them or not. And whether we approve of their actions or not, let's just do what Paul said and pray for them. See what happens. So pray for everybody and then pray for rulers and leaders all over the world. And then pray that we can lead that quiet and peaceable life that, God, that Paul talks about. And let's be certain then that we use the freedom that God grants to us to take the message of Jesus as a ransom for our sins to the whole world. Let's don't squander it. You know, we've had, we've had decades of peaceful opportunity, haven't we? We've had decades. Somebody once said, you know, it's amazing that the Bible talks about how rapidly the gospel spread throughout the first century world, and they didn't even have an airplane. You know, they didn't have the means of communication that we have. And then We've got all of that. We've got all the transportation. We've got all the communications. We've, we've got everything. And yet the gospel doesn't progress nearly as rapidly as it should. We need to change that. We need to be sure that we use whatever freedoms that we have to spread the gospel to the whole world. We need to pray globally. We need to tell the good news locally. And we need to tell it every place else that we can and we need to be clear in our minds that there is no other way for people to come to know the God who loves them and the Christ who died for them than for us to tell them you know Jesus taught us to pray in a very similar way to what Paul's talking about when he taught what we call the Lord's Prayer because Jesus said we should pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that what Paul's talking about? That we're praying for the whole world. We're praying for God's kingdom, his rule on this earth to come to more and more people, for it to spread everywhere, that his will is done on earth just as it is in heaven. And this can be our daily prayer throughout the year ahead and every day of our lives that we pray that way. You have a copy of the Lord's Prayer inside your order of worship. And I want to ask you to take it now. And I'd like for you to stand with me. And, and we're going to say this prayer together, thinking particularly about that line where Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then at the end of that prayer, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And if it's your day to come to Christ and confess your faith in him and be baptized into union with him and have your sins washed away, you come and tell us and we'll help you. But first of all, let's stand and let's pray globally. Please join me as we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's sing. Have you been to Jesus?